This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. After the demolition of Wembley Stadium at the turn of the millennium, Liverpool took little time in acquainting themselves with the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, winning four trophies in the Principality, including two FA Cups in the space of just five years. I'm Guy Clark, and here on Red Memories on the Blood Red podcast, we are going to look back on those victories in 2001 and 2006 against Arsenal and West Ham United, respectively. Joining me to do that is our one and only Dan Kay. Dan, these are two fantastic cup finals to look back on. The first of which, of course, was the first that was to be played at Cardiff. Yes, it was. Uh, And that really kind of added to the whole kind of luster of the occasion, really. Um, I was lucky enough to have... It was the second FA Cup final I'd attended. But the fact that it was somewhere different and it was the first time at Cardiff just made it feel like an even uh, an even bigger deal, really. Um, anyway, and there, there was a nice parallel that <clears throat> the second game we're going to get talk on to was the final one. So Liverpool really, in many ways, kind of bookended uh, the Cardiff era, obviously along with a couple of League Cups and Charity Shields as well. But it was, I think, any Liverpool supporter that you know uh, travelled to South Wales during that era will have very, very fond memories of Cardiff. Not just because we won most of the matches we played there. The whole setup was was just brilliant. Uh, the, you know, the people of Wales are so welcoming. The ground, the city centre, um, and you know, it, it's. I think a lot a lot of Reds will tell you that Wembley just doesn't compare. You know, it, it's, there's a certain historical heft that Wembley maybe has to it. But I think most Reds, if you could choose, where would you rather go to watch a final, Cardiff or Wembley? I I reckon ninety odd percent would choose Cardiff. Interesting, given the old, of course, Anfield South anecdotes about Wembley Stadium, the original mm-hmm. Wembley Stadium, of course. But anyway, let's get into to the first of these games. And this job that I have is so fantastic. It's so brilliant. You get to talk about football all the time. And today, <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going with this. A few listeners may be aware that, in fact, my allegiances in this game were, of course, with Arsenal, not with Liverpool. And I have to say, though, it was probably, in terms of modern FA Cup, I mean, we're looking at a game, actually, Dan, that's 19 years old today. It's hard to believe that it was that long ago, but one of the great FA Cup final comebacks. Well, I mean, Liverpool dominated the whole game, didn't they? (laughs) Didn't they, guy? It should have been 5 or 10 nil. Arsenal just didn't turn up. (laughs) No, I've got got a hefty slice of tongue-in-cheek there. It was, even for the most one-eyed of Liverpool supporters, daylight robbery, which in some ways made it even even sweeter. Um, you know, to give a little bit of the background, Liverpool had had a good season, a really good season um, under Gerard Houle. They would, we'd missed out on the Champions League the season before on the final day at Bradford. Uh, so there was a lot of hope and expectations, but at Houle's second full season, there was a kind of an expectation that Liverpool needed to deliver. And they did. You know, by this point in early May, Liverpool had already put one trophy on the board, the League Cup, which was the first trophy the club had run in six years, beating Birmingham and Cardiff on penalties. Um, the Reds were already also in the UEFA Cup final, which was due to take place four days later against Dortmund. Uh, sorry, against Alaves in Dortmund, having knocked out Barcelona in the semi-finals. And um, Liverpool had completed 37 out of their 38 Premier League games and were one win away from qualifying for the Champions League for the first time in the club's history. The following Saturday, Liverpool would, you know, would travel to, to London to take on Charlton Athletic away, knowing that three points there would guarantee them third spot. And 
what in many ways was, you know, arguably the the prime objective of the season. That being said, you know, Liverpool as a club exists to win trophies. And um thankfully we were never had we were ever in that position where you had to kind of choose what would you prefer, Cups or Champions League. In this particular year, we got it all. But it was everything seemed to be building to to a crescendo. Uh, for me personally, I, I didn't have a season ticket at this time, and I wasn't able to get a ticket for the uh, for the Birmingham League Cup final. So I was de- I was, and what made me even more desperate to go to Cardiff for the FA Cup final? Two things really. My previous FA Cup final had been five years before, where we'd lost one 0 to Manchester United at Wembley, uh, which was a hideous experience with the United winning the double against a good Liverpool team. Uh, a Liverpool team that beat United home and away in the league that year but unfortunately flaked it on the big occasion. So I was desperate to go for that, you know, to get that out of the system, but also as well, it was my final year at university. And the following week, I, had my, I only had two final exams, but they were the morning of the UEFA Cup final and the morning after. So there was just no way in the world I could go to Dortmund. I'd been to Barcelona for the semi-final, my first European away, but I knew there was just no way in the world I could go to the final, which made me even more desperate to go to Cardiff. But, you know, if I... I think it's quite well known that generally the League Cup final tickets are more plentiful than FA Cup final tickets. And generally, kind of thought, well, I'm not going to get, if I couldn't get one for the League Cup, I've got no chance for the FA Cup. But where there's a will, there's a way. I kind of thought, well, I'm not going to give up. The week before, the Saturday before the FA Cup final, Liverpool home to Newcastle in a league game at Anfield. And I made sure that I got there early. Now, back in those days, tickets for big games, cup finals, and so on were um, basically designated on whatever serial number the vouchers in the back of your season ticket book ended in. So if you, you know, if you were lucky to have a one, two, three, four, you're in. If you didn't, you weren't. Um, so I basically got to the ground one o'clock before this three o'clock kickoff against Newcastle and just did laps of the ground, just asking anyone got a spare, anyone got a spare. Um, and uh, fortunately, about quarters to three, some kind soul just by the Shankly gates gave me the spare voucher that I needed. And to be honest... I don't think I've ever been so distracted during a match in my life. Liverpool won 3-0 quite comfortably. Michael Owen scored a hat-trick. But all I could think about was, I'm going to Cardiff, I'm going to the cup final. And I just already making plans about, I think I had to go down the ground very early on Tuesday morning to queue for it. But it, the, the match in front of me was almost an afterthought because I was just so excited and thrilled to be going to a new ground, a new venue. Everything I'd heard about Cardiff was that it was a fantastic venue for a cup final. And I was absolutely buzzing when... Uh, when I managed to get hold of one of those precious tickets. Well, funny you should mention, of course, Michael Owen scoring that hat-trick against Newcastle United because, as we'll get to, he was the match winner in this game. But so many interesting angles to, to go out with this. And I, I suppose the first real contentious moment within the game itself is a man who had and, and would torment Liverpool on plenty of occasions, certainly at Highbury, Thierry Henry. Didn't have the, the greatest FA Cup record, but in this game, inside the first half, he rounds Sander Westerveld, which actually ended up being somewhat of a theme in this game. I seem to remember Arsenal getting so many times around the goalkeeper, thinking the net's there to put the ball into the back of. And on, as I say, one of those first real occasions, a really contentious moment, Stefan Oncho, looking as though he's ambling back towards the goalposts, falls down just as Henry strikes the ball and punches it out for what then, of course, gets given as a goal kick. Well, I think punching <laughs> it out, I think, is overstating it slightly, Guy. He was kind of falling back and the ball, kind of clips his elbow. I mean, listen, it was it was the best save, in a, it was the best Liverpool save in a cup final since Bruce Drobelar from Graham Sharp. <laughs> since Bruce Drobelar from Graham Sharp in 1986. But 
it seemed to remember Liverpool started the match first 10, 15 minutes quite well. Had a couple of set pieces. I think Emma Heskey went close to the header. But I mean, this was a decent Arsenal side who had finished, well, they'd won the, won the double three years before. And I think it finished runners up to Manchester United in each season that they'd, uh, United won a hat trick of titles, 99, 2000, 2001. I think Arsenal got to the UEFA Cup final the year before as well, lost the Galatasaray on penalties. So they were a better team than Liverpool. Yeah, in general, yeah, the league positions over the previous couple of years had proved that. But this was a Liverpool side um, that had momentum and had, you know, as as this as the as the the course of this season wore on, um, they just had they just seemed to gain this belief and this ability to grind wins out in the league, in Europe, in the League Cup, in the FA Cup. And and to and to and to weather storms as well because you know one game that particularly stands out in Europe was the second leg of the last sixteen against Roma. Uh, Michael Owens scored twice in the Stadio Olimpico in Roma. He won two 0 away, but at home, um, tight game. And Roma scored with about twenty twenty five minutes to go. And all of a sudden, the game was right back in the balance. Some fans may remember the referee was a bit a bit of a lunatic that night. Actually, gave them a penalty at one point and then changed his mind, much to everybody's relief. But Liverpool had to, really had to dig in that night against a very good Roma side that actually went on to win Serie A that season for the first time in a while. Really good players like Batistuta, Batistuta and Totti and Damiano Tomasi in midfield. I remember was a Capello player. was their manager. Um, correct, yeah. 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 Capello was there. And, the, and Liverpool beat them again in the Champions League the following season when Hule returned from his heart problem. So even if obviously it was, it was concerning as the first half wore on and certainly as the second half wore on, but... You know, it was all Arsenal, really. They were creating chance after chance and Liverpool couldn't really get near Arsenal's goal. There was a feeling that if Liverpool could just stay in the game, Michael Owen was in unbelievable form at the time. And the, the, the game against... There was the game against Newcastle got a hat-trick in the Saturday before, as I mentioned, on the Tuesday night. There was the final home game of the season against Chelsea, which ended up being a 2-2 draw. Um, but Owen scored two fantastic goals that night and he was just absolutely on fire. Every time he got... The ball or got near the opposition penalty, he just looked like he was going to cause some serious damage. And um, while he was on the pitch, there was still that kind of hope. Well, you're never out of it. But the longer the game wore on, Liverpool just couldn't see really seem to get any kind of grip on proceedings. And I have to be honest, when Freddie Lundberg went through with about about seventy two minutes, I think it was. Bang on you. Went round went round Westerveld and 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 slotted past the despairing Jamie Carrig on the line. I don't think I was the only Liverpool fan that kind of thought, that's that. It, it, it was hard to see us coming back from that. Yeah, no, as you say, Jumberg scoring with 18 minutes to play then, a game in which Arsenal had had plenty of chances. But heading into the final throws of the game, the man you mentioned before, Michael Owen, would certainly come alive. And, well, I suppose his... His equaliser for Liverpool just shows exactly what a fine poacher he was. A free kick from Gary McAllister. I think it was Gerrard keeps it alive. And Marcus Babel at the, the far post brings it down. And who's there to react fastest? But Michael Owen, of course. Yeah, well, it, it, Gary, bringing Gary McAllister on when he did, when Hule did, which I think was, you know, might have been just before, just after Arsenal scored was a, an inspired move because his, his experience, his older head in those kind of circumstances would be invaluable. But also as well, you know, his, his, his set pieces, a fantastic free, free kick taker. Um, so, yeah, the, the ball was played in from, from the Liverpool left. 
and it kind of loops up into the air. And you mentioned Marcus Babel, and he was a real key figure for Liverpool in, in this season, in this running. It was a terrible shame, really, that he picked up a, an illness the following year that kind of really put an end to his Liverpool career. He never really recovered from it. But um, as the ball loops up in the air, I, I remember, not so much at the time, but having watched it that numerous times on video, he kind of out-muscled out Tony Adams, which takes a bit of a bit of doing. I mean, I, I think this was Adams' penultimate season at Arsenal, but one of the great Premier League defenders, first division defenders, you know, I think fans of all clubs would would would, would happily accept that. Um, you know, and not an easy person to shrug off the ball. And Babel kind of held his ground and just managed to get the little knockdown. And it was it was a, just an instinctive poacher's finish. Very similar to a goal, actually, that he'd scored three years before for England. I think it might be his first World Cup goal against Romania in, in, in 1998. The ball kind of bounced up. And it was a bit of an awkward height for him. And he just kind of swiveled his body shape and just cracked it on the half volley and it flew into the bottom corner. And the um, little anecdote I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about this that kind of leads to the, the winning goal. So I got my ticket, as I mentioned, very, very late doors the week before. So we're sitting on my own. Hardly any of my friends had actually got tickets. Now, it was, I think the only, the only game I ever missed at Cardiff was the very first one, the Birmingham one in the league. I went to every other game, all the finals, charity shields. And this was really, by, by many stretches, the worst seat I had. It was about row two or three, right in the corner. All, and it's one of those kind of grounds where the pitch is almost above above where you're sitting. So it wasn't a great view. The only advantage to it was it was in the corner where everything happened from a Liverpool point of view. So anyway, the ball, you know, the, I see the ball fly into the net and I went bananas. You know, it, it was for, for, 70, for 83 minutes or whatever it was, it just looked like it was going to be a carbon copy of 1996 against United. We hadn't turned up. We hadn't showed anything like our, our best face. And it was going to be another painful, embarrassing defeat. All of a sudden, the ball flies in. And it's one of those great moments as a football supporter where, what, what did the kids say today? Limbs everywhere. And it really was limbs everywhere. Now, as, as things settled down, I realised that in the hullabaloo, I must have accidentally caught uh, the lady next to me with an arm or whatever. I think she was OK, but the, the fella next to her was, had seemed to take some kind of offence to it. And I, you know, I was trying to apologise, you know, sorry, amazing, just, you know, the excitement of the moment. And he was having none of it. And, I, you know, part of it, even now, 19 years on, I kind of think, if you're not losing, if you're not losing it to a goal like that, you shouldn't be there. But, you know, I think, I, I think up final tickets are very, very hard to come by. What a, a good friend of mine went to, I think, 57 out of the 63 games Liverpool played that season, but couldn't get a ticket for the cup final and stopped going for a bit. Saw it, you know, took the knock and, and understandably so. Anyway, th- this, this fella's, you know, not being this fella's still got still got the hump with me. So I decided, right, well, I'm not going to stay here for extra time because obviously it seemed like extra time was inevitable. I was only a few minutes to go, so I went down into the um, you know, went down into the the, the downstairs bit and thought, well, I'll just go to the next block and find somewhere else to stand. So I goes in there and find a little place at you know on the end of a row. But some jobs worth she was going, no, oh, you can't stand there, you can't stand there. So I thought, all right, I'll go to the next block. So we'll go down into the into the concourse. And as I'm walking to the next block, I can just hear a roar. And that was Patrick Berger's ball over the top. And I just thought to myself, something's happening here. So I just started running. And I got to the to the entrance to the gangway where I could see the pitch. Just in time to see the ball go past David Seaman's left hand into the net. Didn't see Owen run onto the ball, didn't see him shoot or strike the ball. But I just saw the ball go past the goalkeeper's hand into the net. 
and I just ran down the stairs and just flung myself into the celebrations. And at the you know at the time they were as wild and euphoric as any Liverpool celebrations I've been involved in. I didn't realise at the time that I, I did actually do a fair bit of damage to my ankles because it was only about six hours later when I got off the coach at the Rockets to walk what would normally be a twenty minute walk home that I realised that both my ankles ankles were in absolute agony. I think I must have tweaked the ligaments on both. It took me about an hour. I think I ended up getting a cab in the end. And for years and years, whenever I've been playing football and I've had a weak ankle, I've, I've always blamed Michael Owen for those ankles because they, ultimately it was down to him. But worth every grimace and every bit of pain because it was it's a great way to win a match. I've often said in some ways I'd rather win a game like that than win it 5-0 because yeah. the, you know, it's the, the difference in emotion. You know, snatching, defeat, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat is one of the great joys of, of being a football supporter. No, and it was, it was a, a, a fantastic and unbelievable moment for Michael Owen. And he came in and joined us actually in the autumn on Blood Red when we were, of course, in the studio back in the good old days. And he said that after he scored that first goal that he felt being on the pitch, he just needed one more chance and he was going to yeah. score it. And you mentioned the likes of Tony Adams before, Lee Dixon, of course, in that as well. Whilst you were running the the twenty yards to the next block, Michael Owen was over the course of sixty yards outstripping both Lee Dixon and Tony Adams before arrowing the ball with his weaker left foot past David Seaman. Three fine members of Arsenal's established back five through through the nineties and into the early noughties. And I mean, it just shows the star that Michael Owen was at that period in time. Of course, two thousand and one being the year that albeit not in its current incarnation, but the year that he won the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, he, he was absolutely at the peak of his powers. And I think the two goals he scored in this game really kind of showcased the variety of his talents. You know, the, the first goal was just a pure poacher's goal. Absolute opportunism. The ball dropped and just that instinctive reaction of knowing how to change his body shape. And, you know, the, such a clean strike of the ball whistled into the net. Whereas the second goal was almost almost like a glimpse of, of the early Michael Owen, the Michael Owen that tore Argentina to shreds in the 1998 World Cup, scored a similar goal as what he scored in St. Etienne for a Liverpool hat-trick against Newcastle a few months afterwards when just raw pace. But it was this goal was a little bit more than that. It, you know, it was a good ball over the top, and obviously Owen's pace got him in behind Adams and Dixon. And, you know, I, the, I've heard people say in the past, yeah, well, they were getting on a little bit, weren't they, Adams and Dixon? They were coming to the end of their careers. But they were still very, very good players who still played a part in Arsenal winning the league and FA Cup double the following season. Uh, but even then, having you know, having used his pace and his footballing intelligence to get in there, he still had a hell of a lot to do. Because uh, it might have been Andy Gray's commentary on, on Sky, where he basically alluded to the fact that where he put the shot, on his weaker left foot, by the way, was literally the only place he could score past David Seaman. There were very little shooting options on for him. He had to take it first time on his weaker foot. But he just he, he caught it perfectly, and and you know he, he, it was it was a it was a moment that kind of defied belief because you know as anyone who saw the match would would vouch for Arsenal could and should have been two or three goals clear by that point comfortably. But football being what it is, you know we, we've all seen games like this before, and, and it taps into what you know the, the Owen quote that you mentioned just before. As soon as Liverpool equalised, it's like shark smelling blood in the water. Once momentum shifts like that in a match, it can be very hard to shift. And all of a sudden, Arsenal, where they would be starting to thinking about their party tonight and who they're going to show the medal to and this, that and the other. As soon as that equalising goal went in, they must have really started to fear the worst because 
you could just sense the wind coming back through Liverpool sails and obviously into the supporters. You know, Liverpool were these goals, both Liverpool goals happened at the end. Liverpool were attacking. So while our end, certainly probably in that first half of the second half, have been quite quiet because Liverpool could hardly get hold of the ball, let alone create any clear cut chances. Once that goal went in, I think we all just thought. I think we all just thought, this is this is it. This is here for us now. And you know, while some people like myself, you know, in some ways preparing for extra time by trying to find a better spec to watch it from, the top elite footballers realise that when an opportunity like this is 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 available, you've got to grab it while it's there. And um, you know, it, it, I think the goal actually came from an Arsenal free kick. It was played yeah. into the Liverpool box. Basically, this is the opposite of what happened with McAllister setting up the equaliser. It was the left-hand side of the pitch, very much similar. Didn't beat Mm. the first man. Well, once it went into the box, didn't beat those on the edge of the penalty area. Headed away, and as you say, Patrick Berger setting Michael Owen on his way. And I suppose one of the key things, really, of the game being the searing heat that it was on the mid-May afternoon, that whilst Liverpool looked as though they'd become weary and were jaded, before and in the immediate aftermath of Jumberg's goal, it was as soon as that equaliser went in, roles reversed in many ways. Absolutely, and you know, and it's it's worth repeating just how hot it was that day. It was absolutely roasting. Um, I mean, it, it was. I remember going into the ground. You can almost see it through some of the, the TV footage and photographs. There was almost like this haze in the ground because it was, you know, a big a big stadium with steep stands, and not a lot, of, not an awful lot of air could get in there. I guess it's one of those those truths of football that you know you feel less tired when you're winning, and when all of a sudden when things are starting to go against you, all of a sudden the legs feel that little bit heavier. Whereas, like you say, there were spells during that second half when Liverpool's hopes were really hanging by a thread, and you kind of thought if Arsenal get a second, they could get a third and fourth there. But as soon as that as soon as that that equalising goal went in, I think most neutral observers, let alone Liverpool supporters and probably fearful Arsenal supporters, would have thought. If there's another goal coming here before the 90-minute mark, it's going to come for Liverpool because um, the momentum just seemed to, sh- to shift very, very suddenly. And um, as I say, Liverpool, the Liverpool had made a habit, not dissimilar really to the Jurgen Klopp um, side that we've seen in the last year or two, where they don't necessarily have to be playing brilliantly for 90 minutes to win a match. It's about winning the key passages of play. And you know, that's why this Liverpool team was able to win three trophies this season and finishing the, in, in, in the top three in game Champions League qualification. Because they were, they had the footballing nous and intelligence to identify when it really counted, when it really mattered. And, um, you know, I, I don't think any game kind of summed that up more uh, better than, than this one, really. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, that's 2001 dealt with the uh, FA Cup win under Gerard Houllier, the first of the two Cardiff Cup finals in the FA Cup that Liverpool would win in the first one. And in the last one, it was West Ham United who Liverpool would come up against. And before we get into what he did in the game, and of course, it going down as the Gerard Cup final, of course, there'd been the 2003 Worthington Cup final. There'd been Istanbul 12 months before. But I just wonder for Steven Gerrard how much of a learning curve that 2001 final was because he was only a young player, of course, at the time. Coming up against a player like Patrick Vieira, it was, Vieira, yeah. it was a very dominating game for him. And yet it gets to this Cup final five years later and Gerrard, of course, stamps his authority all over it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that Steven Gerrard did not make much impact in 2001. Very little, in fact. 
Uh, I mean, did, did, did he actually play the... I mean, yeah, he did play the full 90, didn't he? Because I remember seeing pictures of him in the celebrations. But, um, you know, the, the, I, I think it would only been because of his performances over the course of the season that maybe Gerard Hule decided to leave him on because... I mean, because of the era's dominance and, and, and the, the kind of stranglehold that Arsenal put on the game, Gerard was really unable to kind of get any kind of real... make any kind of real impact on it. You know, he, I think he, it, it's it's become a pub quiz question, hasn't he? He's, I think he's scored in every in all the major finals now, FA Cup, League Cup, UEFA Cup, Champions League, obviously. And, and he did score four days later in, in Dortmund against Allardyce, the second goal after, after 15 minutes that, that, that put the Reds two up. So, uh, yeah, I, I think certainly his experience of playing the, you know, these these set of cup finals in, in 2000, because I don't remember him having much of a game against Birmingham either, to be honest. And his career, um, I think it's quite well documented. He had a little bit of a dip in 2002, um, partly injury-related, and he missed the World Cup for England that year because of that. And then kind of gradually kind of grew into his frame and kind of just matured that little bit more. And it, he was awarded the captaincy by Julier um, early on in the 03-04 season. And I think by the time Rafa Benitez took charge in the summer of 2004, he had kind of really started to settle into the role. Um, I mean, listen, some Liverpool fans you know, will tell you even now that, you know, as much as they might rate him as one of Liverpool's greatest ever players, he maybe wasn't the greatest ever captain. And even if he, he certainly gave a captain's performance in 2006 against West Ham in, in, in the final, obviously wrote his lame all over it. I would personally suggest that I don't think he really became a top captain until really the last couple of years of his career, you know, the the, the, the Brendan Rodgers title push, winning the League Cup under Kenny. <coughs> but by he was a, as a player, he, he was he had become a force of nature by this stage in 2006. It was actually one of his best seasons, I think certainly in terms of goal scoring. I think he scored something like 26 goals in 2005-06, and the majority of them came from playing wide right. Played, played an awful lot of that season um, on the right side of midfield. I think you know, most pe- a lot of people have the perception that he played out all his career in centre-mid. That's not the case. Pretty early on, he had a lot of great games at full-back, notably in the treble year. But um, by 2000, obviously, it, it was a year on from Istanbul when he had um, obviously galvanised Liverpool into victory, played three different positions during that match against AC Milan and, and lifted the trophy. And um, obviously, there was all the... There was all the um, the possibility of him leaving that summer. And he, obviously, we, we know he he put in a transfer request and then signed a new contract within you know, the next day. It was a very long season for two, uh, for Liverpool that one, um, and I think really the performance in this final kind of shows that up. If you remember, because of the vagaries of Liverpool finishing fifth, but needing to you know in all common sense needing to be allowed to defend the trophy they'd won in Istanbul, they were made to play in the early Champions League qualifiers in early July which Gerard was involved in and scored a hat-trick against TLS in the first game back in the mid-July. Um, so it was a very, very long season, a gruelling season, which I think Liverpool finished, Liverpool did finish, did finish second or third. But it, 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 it was, if it was third, it was only on goal difference, I think. And it was, it was an 80, it was an 80, I think they got 80-odd points. Uh, and, and, it, and it was a gruelling cup run as well. You know, they had to beat Manchester United and Chelsea on the way there. Another another thing that's that needs uh, kind of pointing out regarding Gerard's performance in this final, I'm fairly sure the second child was born at the start of the of cup final week, so 
apart from being knackered from the end of a long season, he probably hadn't had much sleep that week either. And, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into the game a little bit now as well. But um, when he's asked about, you know, his famous equalising goal in the last minute of normal time that, that took the game to extra time, he basically said he was that goosed, he was that tired, that when the ball dropped, we just thought, sod, I'm just going to hit it. And I, and I think one of the reasons why that would have been was that he was physically and emotionally and mentally drained, but he still had this unbelievable ability and eye to pull his team out of the fire. And and that's very much what he did on the day because as a before, you know, Liverpool against Arsenal, it, you know, I think we all we all travelled to Cardiff hopeful of winning, but very much knowing that it's Arsenal. It's a you know, it's a proper team. It's 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 one of those kind of cup finals that can go either way. With all due respect to West Ham. You turn it to a cup final against West Ham when you're Liverpool, you're thinking, well, we should be winning this. We're not taking it for granted. We're not taking it easy. Uh, you know, I've, plenty of us there will have been old enough to remember Wimbledon eight years before and how, you know, complacency and arrogance can 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 uh, can get you into trouble in a cup final. But I think we all expected, yeah, we, we, having had a good season, we should have enough to see West Ham off. But really, West Ham... I wouldn't say outplayed the stages on the day, but gave a very gave a very good account of themselves. And probably even now, fourteen years on, we'll be thinking, how did we not win that match? Yeah, very high tempo game from Alan Pardew's side. And you're right in terms of the the 2006 season, 82 points, finished third, a point behind Manchester United. But the the first goal in the game, of course. We've spoken so much about Steven Gerrard just there. His great mate Jamie Carragher, of course, putting through his own net after a ball in from, nowadays, the Argentina manager, Lionel Scaloni. I don't think many people would have thought him playing at right back for West Ham United would have led to leading his national team as their head coach. But it was a ball that Carragher, going back towards his own goal, he was trying to back heel it away, completely missed it. And with his standing left foot, put it past Pepe Reina, who for the second West Ham goal, it's fair to say, didn't have the greatest of, of games, certainly not in the 90 minutes, Pepe Reina. No, well, it, it was, you know, it was, it was a lousy start for Liverpool. There's, there's no getting away from that. I mean, you know, cup finals, it's always a case of, you know, try and play the game, not the occasion. You've got to kind of find your feet. You would have, you know, we, we would have hoped that that should have been more of a problem potentially for West Ham than Liverpool. You know, this was Liverpool's third cup final uh, in Cardiff. No, well, sorry, the, the third, certainly the third cup final within 14, 15 months because they played the League Cup final in Cardiff, obviously the Champions League in Istanbul, and then this final. But West Ham certainly settled better. The first goal was one of them, really. It was a good move down the down the, down the West Ham right. Intelligent ball in from Scalonia, and, and Carra just couldn't get his feet sorted out. And, you know, he, he did have a, a rather unfortunate record with own goals. I think he scored more, more own goals during his long 737-game career than he did in the right end, but obviously, he, he, how any, he saved a hell of a lot more than that, so obviously we'd, we'd forgive him for that. You, you go a goal, a goal down in the cup final, it's like, well, it's not ideal, but all right, okay, well, this might just wake us up a little bit. When the second goal went in, you know, that's when the alarm bell started to go off, and, you know, when it, Pepe Rainer ended up being, you know, rather the hero of the day, because obviously he saved a couple of penalties in the shootout, but he didn't have the, the best of times during the 90 minutes. You couldn't fault him for the first one. But the, but the second one, certainly, I think it was a shot from Matthew Etherington that really you know, should have been gathered with no difficulty whatsoever, but he spilled it. And Dean, Osh, Dean Ashton prodded it over the line from close range. Um, Liverpool dragged themselves back into the game. And it, I think one of the key aspects, we were, we were never 2-0 down for too long 
Uh, I think that I think Cisse's goal was within four four minutes. Was it? Yeah, it was within four minutes of going behind, and it was you know Gerard might not have scored it, but he was massively influential with it. it massively influential in it. Uh, absolute pinpoint, sixty-yard ball over, into Cisse's path as he was running into the penalty area. Great finish from Cisse as well. Ball dropping over his shoulder on the volley. Um, you know, he was. It was a difficult, difficult time at Anfield for Cisse. Really, he was. I think everybody knew, knew he was. He was who days by and who had left before he arrived. But he scored from big goals for Liverpool, none bigger than this one. And I think when when uh, Stephen when Gerard equalised just before the hour mark, I think um, from a crashing volley from the edge of the penalty area after Peter Crouch had not to not to free kick back towards him. I think we all thought, well, we'll be all right now, won't we? It's two two. We'll turn the screw. Class will tell, and and you know a third or fourth goal shouldn't be too far away. But then uh, Paul Konchesky, um read to me some yes, who um, who was some years later went on to represent Liverpool, um, but well, less probably less said about that the better. Floated in across on the left hand side, and it was one of them where you you wouldn't go to town in criticising the goalkeeper for it because sometimes these things can just it was a fluke goal. I don't I don't think Konchesky would ever claim to say he was going for that. But bearing in mind he'd already made an error for the first goal, it was one of those that certainly if, it, if that had been the decisive goal in the match, I think uh, I think Pepe would have struggled to sleep too much that night for a few for a few nights afterwards. And really, it looked like it was going to be the final uh, the final act in the drama because after that went in, it kind of seemed to knock the stuffing out of out of Liverpool, the, the the team and the the team and the supporters. Really, it had been such a long season. We put such a such a huge effort to get ourselves back into the game. And when a goal like that flies and you think, well, is it just not our day today? Is everything going against us? And But it says everything about, you know, this team and particularly Steven Gerrard, that, you know, even though he was, you know, to use a scout expression, he was blown for tugs, he had very little left by that stage. He was still putting himself in a position where he could affect things. And, you know, literally as the... As the Tannoy announcer was announcing, how, however many minutes were going to be added on for stoppages, the ball. Um, I think there was there was a free kick, wasn't there? West Ham had a free kick, and and I think afterwards there was a few things said about well, well they should have played it into touch or they shouldn't have given it back to Liverpool. I think it was a free kick to an injury to Liverpool player possibly, and they played it back to us. Reese played a ball in it was headed out from the edge of the box, and he must have been. 35 yards, 30, 35 yards out comfortably. I was behind that goal in, in the Millennium Stadium's North Stand. And I remember as the ball was dropping to him, thinking to myself, don't shoot from there. Don't be silly. Don't shoot from there. But as soon as he hit it, and I was looking right down the line of it, as soon as he hit it, I knew it was in. And uh, it was one of those celebrations where it's more relief than joy. Uh, because, you know, the thought of a long journey home at the end of a trophyless season... That we'd all, <coughs> you know, we're all so thrilled with what would happen in Istanbul, but it felt really important to build on that, and to you know to to have something to show for the season afterwards. And it had been a good season, and it would have been a really a real shame if Liverpool hadn't had anything, had any hadn't had any reward for for the efforts that they that they put in since well, for ten months virtually, you know, since mid July. So as soon as that as soon as the ball dropped in, you kind of thought, well, we've reprieved ourselves. Surely an extra time. We'll uh, we'll find a way to get it won, but I think by that stage, really, both teams were both teams were on the, on their last legs, and if anyone was going to win it in extra time, it was West Ham, 
And Rayner, even if I've been a bit critical of him in terms of his performance in the game, he actually made one stupendous save, uh, arching back. I think it was a kind of a back header for Marlon Harewood. That it looked like he looked like he was beaten, and somehow I managed to kind of arc backwards and, and tip it onto the crossbar, and the ball was smuggled to safety. And I think, to be honest, most of us were quite relieved to get to penalties because this team had given everything. But West Ham were West Ham. You know, it was a decent West Ham side under Alan Pardew. Had some good players there. You know, Teddy Sheringham, who's won everything in the game, vastly experienced. Um, and I think it was just a case of let's get to penalties. Liverpool generally have a pretty good record on penalties. Haven't lost too many, too many penalty shootouts over the years. And thankfully, that proves to, the, to be the case in Cardiff once uh, once things got going there as well. And we get into the penalty shootout then, Dan. As you see, Paul Koncheski's goal with 26 minutes to go, levelled out by Stephen Gerrard hobbling round the pitch on cramp to just welly one past Shaka Hislop in goal, get to penalties. And some significant things to just note on the penalties in terms of Pepe Reina, of course, saves three of them and actually three fantastic saves. They weren't really poor penalties. They were really good saves from Rayner, but Diddy Herman's final kick for Liverpool being the first spot kick for the Reds and, and scoring that. And also significantly, Steven Gerrard taking the third penalty. Of course, what, 10 months before, or sorry, 12 months before in, in Istanbul, Gerrard actually was down to take the fifth one for Liverpool, never got to take it because of Shevchenko's miss, of course, and therefore didn't take mm. one. But as I say, Herman ending his, his Liverpool career striking home a penalty to get things started and Gerard effectively saying, well, I'm not going to miss out this time. I'm going to make sure I take one in at the time. It, it did give Liverpool the advantage in the shootout. Yeah, it did. I mean, there was a few interesting penalty takers in, in, in there for Liverpool on that. And I mean, you would expect that the order of the first five had already been arranged. Just as you were saying it then, it just made me wonder, was Gerard still down for the fifth? Because Haman scored the first, Reina saved from Zamora. But then Sammy Hippias took Liverpool second and it was saved. Teddy Sheringham scored for West Ham, so it was 1-1 one, one after two each. Now, I wonder, did they rejig things slightly? Was Gerard due to be near the end again? But was it a case of, we need to get our noses back in front here? Because having you know been in pole position after one each, we don't want to suddenly find ourselves 2-1 down with only two left. It, it, um, I mean, listen, we'll never know. And it, and it was a great penalty from Gerard, um, slotted set the goalkeeper the wrong way and slotted right in the top corner, I seem to remember. It was, I mean, I'm very pleased for, for Dizzy Amman that he, he managed to score with his, with his final kick at the ball for Liverpool. Also as well, because the first Cardiff game against uh, West Ham, he missed he missed one of, one of the spot kicks that day. So I think it was nice for him to kind of get that out of the system. I do remember thinking when Sammy Hippie got up to take the second one, Really? I mean, it's quite rare that you'd see a centre-half taking a penalty anyway. He did nearly score an unbelievable goal in the game. I don't know if you remember. On the left wing, on the left wing, I think he was up for a corner or a free kick. The ball went out to the left-hand side. And he seemed to do this pirouette turn, cut in onto his right foot and smash it from sort of angle of edge of the angle of the 18-yard the box right on the corner mm. of it. And, OK, I think the shot was probably three or four, maybe I'm being generous, yards wide of the goal. But it was it was a move that you wouldn't have expected quite nimbly from Sammy Huppier, just like you wouldn't have expected him to trot up for the second penalty. On both occasions, he proved why he was a centre-half. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he likes a big goal, Sammy. You know, it's, it's, it's a matter of public record that he, you know, he's, he scored three times for Liverpool in Champions League quarterfinals. 
So whether that was playing on his mind, I don't know. But it, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of an odd decision for him to get up and take it. Thankfully, it didn't prove to be costly on the night. I mean, I can't ever remember him taking any other penalty for Liverpool, you know, in a shootout or another game either. Um, but as you said, Steven Gerrard got up to take the third one and scored, and then Reina saved from Konchesky to put Liverpool back with the advantage. And then the you know, the real crucial one was Liverpool's fourth penalty. And again, there was a nice kind of little bit of. Um, putting it right for John Arnarisa, who a year before had missed in Istanbul, which thankfully didn't prove to be costly. Uh, but obviously at the time, he wouldn't have known that. And, and um, it, well, I, haven't, I haven't watched the, watched this back recently, but I do remember from watching it at the time or, or shortly afterwards, that as he's walking back to the centre circle, having scored in Cardiff in this game, Risa, he almost kind of looks a little bit emotional. He's kind of like, you could tell the, 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 the pressure that he was putting on himself to, to, to score this penalty was immense but he battered it into the back of the net and that basically put Liverpool uh, that basically took Liverpool to match points where it meant that uh, you know one mistake from West Ham would Liverpool were 3-1 up with West Ham needing to score their fourth to to continue the competition and uh, Anton Ferdinand brother of Manchester United centre-back Rio stepped up and uh, Pepe Reina plunged to his right I think and kept it out, and the celebrations began. Liverpool had won the cup for the seventh time, and uh, Rayner was the hero. Lovely way to end his first season at Anfield, and it was just a big sigh of relief because you know Cardiff was such a special place for us. We didn't want it to end on a sour note. We'd had a good season, as I've said, you know what I mean, and it would have been such a shame if that season hadn't ended with you know on a downturn. Well, you know, you had to feel for West Ham a little bit, you know that the. the not a side that gets to FA Cup finals all that often. And, you know, they must look back on, on their performance that day and, and ask themselves, well, could we really have done much more? And the answer probably would be not an awful lot. But sometimes when your name's on the cup, it's on the cup and it, it, it seemed like it very much was for Liverpool that day. Yeah, it certainly was on that day, like it was in 2001 with Michael Owen coming to score the brace that sunk Arsenal and gave the Reds their first taste of victory in the cup final in Cardiff, which they, of course, did repeat with Steven Gerrard getting a brace of his own in 2006. Mad to think that it's been 14 years since Liverpool did last win the FA Cup. Well, Dan, thanks a lot for joining us for, for this edition of Red Memories, where what what brilliant memories we've been able to go through. Thanks to, to, to you guys listening in for your continued support. If you are listening on whatever audio platform you so choose, do leave us a rating and review if you wouldn't mind doing so. It is also much appreciated. But until next time, thanks for your time and company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.